Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast, and thank you for joining with us to worship and learn more about God. We are so excited to have you be a part of this week's service. For more podcasts and services from past weeks, or to join us online on Sunday mornings, check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Now, enjoy the message. Good morning, Renaissance. How are we? Everyone sounds a little bit excited. Dalton is over here. He's super excited after Meridian has won. What what was it? What was it? Championship of some kind? Sectionals. So we're super excited about that and celebrating alongside them uh, for that uh, awesome thing that is happening. Like Jeff said, uh, he told me a couple weeks ago, hey, Chris, you're going to be on deck for the event that Megan, not Joe, like Jeff just said, come on, we, we know Megan had a baby. And so we're so excited for them and all that God is going to do uh, through them. We're praying for Megan, that's uh, the baby, uh, oh, not baby, that Joe doesn't cause too many problems at home. Uh, so we're super excited for them. I, I've been texting uh, Joe on and off and just checking in on them and everything like that. And uh, yeah, that baby really looks like Joe. And it's kind of like, we might need to pray for Megan a lot more. Um, but anyhow, I'll stop. <laughs> so this morning, um, this morning, I, I want to tell you something real quick. Uh, one thing that I love, 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 love about Jesus, okay? I love how Jesus is always telling stories. I love how Jesus is always asking questions and just provoking people to kind of become aware by the questions that he asks them. So would it be fine if I told you a little story before we study the Bible together? Is that okay? Well, I'm glad I have your approval because if I didn't, I still would tell you the story anyhow. Uh, So growing up, one of the things that uh, me and my siblings would often do is we would walk to our grandparents' house from school um, every day uh, just because our parents were both at work. Our mom was teaching at that said school. I don't know how she ended up with that, teaching at the same school her kids were at, but that's a different story for a different day. But we would often find ourselves walking home with our grandma and waiting for our grandfather to come home um, from work. And so um, he, his profession, he was a draftsman. And so what he ended up um, doing a draftsman is someone who kind of, uh, they make these very intentional, very detailed drawings for an architect and they bring the architect's vision to life, okay? And so one of the things that, me and my brother, at least, we would find ourselves doing is we probably would find a piece of paper about this big, but on one side, it was blank. The other side, it had some of our grandfather's sketches on it. And so on the blank side, we would end up making our own little masterpieces for the Lego designs that we would end up going at home. I see several parents in the room. So you're like, okay, yeah, I know what Legos are. They're a great way to distract my kids. Or it's a great way for me to scream and wake the whole house up in the middle of the night because I stepped on a Lego, right? And so we would draw these creations, try to be super intentional about it so we could make what we were hoping to build. Now, just like my grandfather's sketches, just like our sketches, if we were missing one piece in that design, our project might not actually come together. The design itself might not come together because we're missing a piece. I remember just shuffling through a bucket 
of Legos one time, and me and my brother, we were trying to find this one piece because for some reason they think it's okay to make this super rare piece in order to, for the Legos, but I'll go on a rant about Legos later. And we're looking for this one particular piece just to make everything go together. Now we have two options when something like that takes place, when we're looking for the missing piece. We can either A, give up, or B, move forward. Try to figure out some kind of solution. Try to find that missing piece. And so real quick, envision with me for a minute that I'm building your house. Now I know some of you in the room, you might be laughing and being like, I'm not letting him anywhere near a house that I want to build, okay? But act like I'm a professional when it comes to building a house. That's frightening. So you have two bedrooms, you have a kitchen, you have a living room, and you have one bathroom in your house, okay? Everything in your house is finished, except for the trim, maybe. It's okay, you can live in a house and your trim's not fully finished yet. And you're like, okay, my house is done. You walk into the bathroom and you come to find out there is no toilet. You can't function in a house without a toilet, right? You can't. You either give up and be like, this house is a waste, or you move forward, you try and find some kind of toilet to fit in your bathroom. And it makes me wonder, it makes me think, what is it for us? What is missing for us? Maybe it's something that's not even missing for you. Maybe it's something that's cracked in your life. Maybe there is a fragment of a piece that is missing in your life. Maybe there's a fragment of a piece that is cracked within each one of us. Maybe that piece is faith. Maybe for you, it's lacking in confidence. Maybe for you, it's doubt. And maybe even this, it could be your calling. What you feel like God is leading you to do. And I know one of the answers that we always will tell you here that the answer is always Jesus. And I think that's so true because we, as followers of Jesus, we have this wonderful thing called the Bible. And the Bible is this, this blueprint for us, showing us the lives of Jesus, his disciples, and so many other people that God was able to use in extraordinary ways. It's a blueprint for us to follow because some of the people that we find, um, whether it be the disciples, whether it be imperfect people used all throughout history, they're just like you and I. You can probably go through here and find several people that you can be like, oh man, they are struggling with the same exact thing I am. But on the flip side of things, you might actually be able to see the ways that they're able to be just as successful as you are in a multitude of ways. So the question that I was wrestling with in, in preparation for this, the question is, how do I, how do we live out what Jesus meant for the church? One of the Christian authors that I've been reading a lot um, lately, he, he used this phrase, we become apprentices to Jesus. So just like how me and my brother would go over to our grandparents' house after school, we would be able to see our, our grandfather do a whole bunch of things around the house. 
Now, with him being very particular, very detail-oriented, we would often be able to help him with the yard, clean the garage, and let me tell you, if you saw his garage, you would be like, someone could literally eat a meal off that floor because of how clean it was. But we were able to watch him, we were able to walk alongside him, and we were able to work with him at times. So being an apprentice for us, we hear that often whenever it comes to electricians. We hear that when it's plumbers. They have a mentor who's teaching them. And so today, we're, we're going to look in Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. And we're going to see how, we're going to see how Jesus was able to be an apprentice to someone here. So I'm going to read this real quick, and then I'm going to take a moment to pray for us. So we're in Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. It says this, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, and him is Jesus, to hear the word of God, he, Jesus, was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, Sounds kind of like Grand Theft Auto, except with a boat is about to take place here. Um, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked them to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Going on in verse 4, it said, when he, had finished speaking to, when he had finished speaking to the crowd, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, it said that they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Verse 8, it says, When Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had just taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, he said, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they brought their boats to the land, they left everything and they followed him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. God, I pray as, as we just study the Bible together this morning, I pray that you speak to us. Um, how you see fit. God, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray, amen. amen. So, Simon Peter. He's one of these, these disciples that I've really been drawn to over the past couple months as I've been studying um, some of the gospel um, writings. And Simon Peter is... I think the reason he sticks out to me so much is because it always seems like he's wrestling with the question, why? He's struggling with the question, why? And normally we ask the question, why? Because we want to understand. We want to try and learn. And so something happens here in, in Luke chapter 5. We find Jesus preaching to this crowd of people. These fishermen, they're cleaning their boats, they're cleaning their nets, they're cleaning everything to go home, to give up, 
because it said that they had toiled all night and they caught nothing. So they're at this place called the Lake of Gennesaret, which is also another name for the Sea of Galilee. They're fishing, catch nothing. So they come back to shore. Jesus is preaching. In verse 3, we see what happens. We, we see that after Jesus um, was standing there, he sees the crowd pressing in. Verse 3, it says, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's. He asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down, and he taught the people from the boat. So these guys had a failed fishing trip, cleaning all their stuff, and Jesus is like, hey, I need to use your boat. Jesus is just switching his platform that he's trying to preach a message from because the crowd's pressing in on him, and he sees a boat over there, and he hops in it. Now, we might think it's a little bit weird that Jesus is hopping in a random stranger's boat, but they're not actually strangers. Several passages prior to this, we actually see, um, we see Simon Peter's mother-in-law. She had a very high fever, and Jesus healed her. So they know who Jesus is. Simon Peter knows who Jesus is. And he's telling them, I'm in the boat, push me out a little bit. So there's a little bit of tension in, in a decision that's going to be taking place here. Do I do what I want? Do I give up? Or do I trust Jesus and just push him out into the water so he can speak to the crowd? Verse 4, it goes on to tell us that when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered him, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. There's tension here. Peter, Peter's like, Master, we toiled all night long. Yet he goes on to obey him. You want us to do what? Go back out into the water? Okay. They toiled all night and... It, says they took nothing. Here's the thing about Simon and the rest of the people who were with him. This was their profession, okay? This is how they made a living. This is how they supported their family. They went out at night and came back with nothing. So Simon Peter is in a place now where you could probably describe him with three words, discouraged, defeated, and drained. He's discouraged because they came back, they toiled all night, they caught no fish. He's defeated because they came back to shore, not only with nothing, but Jesus is there with a crowd of people. Can we say humiliation? And then we see he's drained because he toiled all night long. Could you imagine trying to work all night long, whether you're working on a project, whether you're working on your job, whatever, most of us would probably be pretty exhausted, right? Not just our emotions, but we're like physically unable to do anything else because we're that tired. Jesus is wanting to use them for, for something that is far greater than what they can see. Far greater than what they can see. 
When I was 16 years old, like many of you, that's where we all got our driver's permits, right? So there was a time where our family had gone down to St. Louis uh, because we were going to a Cardinals game. Yay, Cardinals. And any Cubs fans in the room, we'll, we'll pray for you. Sorry. We'll, we'll pray and uh, you, you find life and freedom and world championships and being... <laughs> kidding, kidding. But anyhow, we're, we're in St. Louis and we're, we're leaving. We're walking over to the parking garage. And I remember my dad, as, as we're going, he doesn't even know I'm saying this, so he's back in Video Village, like, what is he about to say that I just did? So my dad is telling me, he's like, Chris, you're going to drive. I'm like, okay, 16-year-old, I'm super, super pumped, ready to drive, because my, my parents had been teaching me and my brother the basics of driving, and I'm like, okay, this will be my real big test to show my parents it's time for me to get my license. So anyhow, we're leaving uh, the parking garage. Downtown St. Louis can be kind of crazy just because it's a Cardinals game. Slowly come to find out as we hop on, I think it's I-70, one of the interstates down there. We start driving, and I'm like, man, there are a whole bunch of cars down here. (laughs) Well, not only was it the end of a Cardinals game, but it was rush hour, too. And so you have a whole bunch of people driving like they're NASCAR drivers. We think they drive like NASCAR drivers here. But if you go to St. Louis or Chicago, that's your real test. And so anyhow, I'm driving down the road. I'm like, okay, I'm trying to be confident. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And all of a sudden, my dad's in the passenger seat. Let me just mention that. All of a sudden, I hear someone yelling over here. And I'm like, oh, God. (laughs) The anxiety is building. The stress is building. Like, what is happening? And my dad's yelling at me. He's like, you're too close to the white line. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're too close to the white line. So what he's meaning by that is something that his father had taught him whenever he was driving. If you look in the passenger side mirror and you can't see the white line, you're probably too close to the side of the road. So my dad is yelling, the white line, the white line, to get my attention. He's trying to get me to focus on the basics and, you know, maybe keep my car on the road. He knew I had what it took to drive. My dad trusted me. I mean, he either trusted me or he's just straight up crazy because he let me drive in St. Louis. But he had taught me the basics of driving. He taught me what I needed to be able to do what I needed to do. That's what Jesus is trying to do here with these fishermen who have yet to follow him. He's trying to tell them, I'm going to do something greater through you. Jesus is wanting to use them for something far greater than what they can actually see. In verse 6, we go on to see that after they let down the nets, verse 6, it said, when they had done this, things changed. It said they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to the partners in the other boat, to come and help them. And they came and they filled both the boats so that they began to sink. That many fish causing the boats to sink. Verse eight, it says, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus's knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man. He's saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man. So everything changed when they let go of the nets. What happened? 
they caught fish. Their boats were overflowing, that they had to call for their friends to come and help them. There's tension. There's tension in the net. We see in verse 7 where, where Peter is signaling to the people in the other boat, the other fishermen. Here's the thing about Peter. This is probably my favorite part about this passage here. It's that Peter's step of faith, it's an example for the rest of the fishermen that were there with him. Just like how your step of faith is an example for the people in your family, your friends, the people you work with. But Peter doesn't necessarily see it that way. He's at a point where he's like, depart from me, I'm not, I'm not worthy to even be around you right now. Peter's so focused on everything that's happened in his past, his failures, his imperfections, his sins, his history, that he can't even see what Jesus is trying to do here. And he says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. And we go on to see in the next verse that everyone's astonished. Not afraid, but astonished. Christian author and pastor John Mark Comer, he, he said this. He said that sometimes a calling is staring us in the face that we just need to make eye contact with it. That's what's happening right here. Peter's calling was staring him straight in the face, but he didn't think he was capable of it. Jesus goes on to tell him in verse 10, he said, do not be afraid. Stop being fearful is what it means. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Verse 11, he said, it says that when they brought their boats to the land, they left everything. They left everything and they followed Jesus here. So, um, when he says catching men, that's kind of like church talk for, hey, we're going to go tell people about Jesus. It's what we do now, tell people about the story of Jesus so they, they, they can come and experience him in his fullness. Not like we're going to be... Um, that one character on Chitty Chitty Bang Bang who's running around like catching people with nets. That's, that's, not what, that's not what Jesus is saying here. We're not literally gonna go catch people in nets, but tell people about the goodness, the life, the freedom that they can have, okay? Jesus was, he was calling them to live using what they knew, fishing. But instead of fishing for fish, they were going to go get people. They were going to go be in community with people. So one of the songs that we sang, um, one of the songs that we sang earlier this morning, we were saying, Jesus, you are more than enough for me. Right? So it's one thing for us to use our breath to sing Jesus you are more than enough. And it's a completely other thing for us to say and live like Jesus is more than enough for me. We sing about how Jesus is the king of my heart. All it's costing us 
is our breath? Do we live like Jesus is the king of our hearts? That's tension right there. So let's, let's focus on Peter now, not on ourselves. How many times do you think Peter was corrected by Jesus? Probably more than enough, right? He had the invitation from Jesus to come and follow me. Same invitation that the fishermen had to come and follow me, just like we have the same invitation to come and follow him. There's tension. We have a decision that we have to make. So each day we're faced with the tension of how am I going to follow Jesus today? Or better yet, will I follow Jesus today? We have a lot of decisions that we deal with every single day, whether it's, it's living out our faith, whether it's family, whether it's friends. Studies show that we make thousands of decisions a day. You believe that? Thousands of decisions a day. Yet a couple hundred of the decisions that we make are about food. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm often faced with the decision every day, am I going to have tacos for lunch? <laughs> I want to have tacos for lunch every day, but that doesn't mean I should have tacos every day for lunch. But what is it going to be for us? How are we going to respond to Jesus? Luke 5 is just the beginning of Simon Peter's journey with Jesus. It's only the beginning. And if we fast forward to the moment where Jesus died and he rose from the dead, there's a lot of things that take place in Peter's life. Peter obviously is asking the question, why a lot? He's also acting a lot on his first, um, his first feeling. He's often acting with enthusiasm, just like we, we want to have. He's trying. But here's the thing about trying. It's not always a guaranteed result for something to be successful. It's okay to fail from time to time. Because if we look at Peter, we see Peter lost focus when he was trying to step out of a boat and walk toward Jesus on the water. The reason he lost focus was because of the situation, the circumstances that were around him. He took his eyes off of Jesus and he started to sink. But guess what? Jesus was still there. Peter goes on to refuse Jesus. He doesn't allow Jesus to wash his feet. He doesn't allow Jesus to take the posture of a servant, which was a lowly position then. Because he didn't understand, he didn't see what Jesus was trying to do. Jesus was trying to set a model for them on what it was going to be like for them to serve. Peter goes on, he fell asleep instead of standing beside Jesus in the garden. Peter goes on, yet again, to try. And he denies Jesus three times. He denies being associated with Jesus. So we can just look at 
Simon Peter's example all throughout Scripture, from the beginning of Luke to the end of John. And we see that there's a lot of weight. There's a lot of weight on him. He's the unofficial spokesman for Jesus' disciples. And oftentimes we end up finding the disciples did what Peter did. His example mattered. Maybe the tension of his, his daily decisions were, were proving to stretch him to a breaking point because of everything that had taken place. Because by the world's standards, what we do is if we see these four instances right here and we take Peter's name from it and everything else that happened afterward and we just see he failed here, we label him as a failure. Peter failed often. We're going to fast forward to um, John 21, but before we, we dive into a little bit of the passage there, um, I think it's important for us to understand everything that has taken place up until this point. A lot of Jesus' Jesus's ministry had happened, but also Jesus has been crucified at this point. Jesus has risen from the dead. The disciples, they had seen Jesus a handful of times up until this point, but it wasn't like before. It wasn't like before where they actually got to spend their lives with Jesus every single day with Jesus. That was no longer. They saw him a handful of times. Peter is at a place where he's misunderstood Jesus's call for his life. Peter's focus was on supporting his family now. He was overwhelmed with a feeling of failure from his sins. He was overwhelmed with a feeling of failure because he denied Jesus. He had, in a sense, given up. Someone who had spent time apprenticing under Jesus, someone who had watched Jesus, someone who had walked with Jesus, and someone who worked alongside Jesus denied him. Up until this point, we see the disciples, they experienced a lot together, and they're in a place where it's very uncertain for, for all of them. One moment, they end up seeing Jesus make a triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem where there was a new kingdom on the horizon. They see one of their trusted friends betray them. They almost got arrested. Peter denied Jesus three times. So the disciples, they saw someone who they saw as a leader deny the man who they all were following. And now we have Jesus being crucified. We have Jesus rising from the dead. And so they didn't know what life was going to be like without Jesus. They didn't know what to do. The, the only success that they had was when Jesus was with them. So they don't even know what success looks like now. Let's go into John 21. Um, and we'll unpack a little bit more here. 
says in verse three, it said, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Ooh, sound familiar? Goes on, they said to him, we will go with you. Hmm, Following Peter again, I see. They went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So the place that they were fishing at is a place known as the Sea of Tiberias, which is another name for the Sea of Galilee, the place that they once started at, where they first followed Jesus at. And now they're in the same place, beginning to do what they knew with the same group of people. And they tossed their nets out and they caught nothing. Going on in verse four, it said, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples, they did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them in verse five, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no, no, we don't have any fish. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And so what do they do? They cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. So they get to this place where where they were at before, fishing. They find themselves fishing together again. They toss the net over and they catch nothing. And then Jesus came along and made them recognize things. They recognized him once again. It wasn't even Peter who first recognized that it was Jesus. It was his beloved disciple, John. So what does Peter do in in this instance? He responds. He jumps out of the boat and he swims to shore to Jesus. This is their third encounter that they have with Jesus. And this third encounter ended up being a moment for them where they regained their vision for what they forgot. We go on to see that Jesus uh, invites them to eat breakfast with him. All those fish, 153 fish they caught. And they were going to have breakfast together. And so Jesus is preparing breakfast for them over a charcoal fire. Now, the thing about the charcoal fire here that I want to point out to us is that the only other instance in which this charcoal fire is mentioned, or the phrase charcoal fire, was after Peter denied Jesus and he was trying to warm himself up. So after breakfast, Jesus and Peter are having a conversation. Jesus asks them three questions. It's the same question. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? See, Peter had told Jesus at one point, I'm never going to fall away. What did he end up going to do? He denied Jesus three times. 
So Jesus asking that question to Peter, I think it's the same question for us as well. Not just, do you love me, but will you be my apprentice? Will you be committed to me? Peter is in a place where Jesus is doing something incredible. He's restoring Peter. He's entrusting him to care for people. Not just care for people, but lead people. Peter restored. Peter is restored here as a leader. Jesus is reminding him, I'm not leaving you where you are. Peter's reminded of his call to care for the, for the flock. Our community matters that we have with others. Peter's ability uh, to fish for people is, is being renewed. And so from this point on, we, we end up seeing, we end up seeing Peter go and live a life where he's being very humble and devoted to letting other people know about the freedom, the life that they can have through Jesus. He goes on to impact a countless number of people. He was able to go and impact a countless number of people because he apprenticed with Jesus. He watched Jesus. He walked alongside Jesus and he worked alongside Jesus. That's the only reason he was able to go and make a, a big impact. He spent time with Jesus. And so my hope, my prayer for us is that we take heart. We take heart in what God is calling us to do. We have an example that is far greater than any other Jesus. We want people to be able to experience that life. Just like the disciples had, just like Peter had, where they were able to be with Jesus and serve under him and live with him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the way that you continue to speak to us. God, we thank you for all that you do in our lives and just, just these small moments that we have together where we're able to study the Bible with one another. What an encouragement for us. As we set our eyes on you, looking to you as the example for our lives and being able to see how you were able to use Peter, someone who tried, someone who failed often, but you were still able to do extraordinary things through him. God, may that be us today. May that be us as we move forward. God, we thank you for this time that we have. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So before we go back into another time of worship, um, one of the things that we do here at Renaissance is we take communion together once a month. Now, it might to you just seem like it's juice. It might just seem like it's a small little wafer that might not really taste that great. But it's a reminder for us of what Jesus did 
how he went upon the cross, taking our shame, taking our guilt, taking our sin upon himself so that we could have life, so that we could have freedom. So this morning, we take the bread as a reminder of his body that was broken for us. Go ahead and take your bread. This juice a reminder for us that Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all for us. He shed his blood for us so that we could have life. I want to finish our time with reading one passage of scripture. It's John 3.16. said, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And so as we continue to worship together this morning, let's leave from this place today being determined to be apprentices for Jesus and saying, I'm not just gonna sing about how Jesus is more than enough for me, but I'm gonna live it so every single person I come into contact with will want to know about Jesus. So let's stand together on our feet as we close in worship this morning. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to pray for you and make a connection with you. So please check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Here you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, or support Renaissance through online giving. We can't wait to hear from you.